The following is a CA original. Mike, Mark, Zach, we're 30 or 50 tonight combined. Are you starting to crystallize your big three? They're doing it. I'm doing the same thing I've been doing. <laughs> uh, I'm running the same plays. I'm doing the same thing. So it's, uh, it's them just taking it upon themselves to, to really be more aggressive. You know, obviously, I talk to them a lot about you got to be a little more selfish, especially this time of year. And that'll help our role players be better players because they'll draw so much attention. You know, they've taken it to heart, and uh, I think they also understand the urgency of this time of year. I can see all three of them stepping up their game from that standpoint. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with Grizzlies beat reporter Ron Tillery, columnist Jeff Hawkins, and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. All right. It is the only beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known. Joined by our pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington and our lead sports columnist Jeff Hawkins for another edition of this podcast. And I'm going to call you two plus our great producer Forrest the big three, and I'll just be Chandler in this podcast. I'll, I'll just, you know, kind of mull around and, and you can just hang out at, on the perimeter and just look to give it to you guys. <laughs> you know, he's he's getting it from everywhere, um, and that's where we'll start um, because last night in FedEx Forum, uh, Tuesday night against Phoenix, the worst team in the Western Conference, Chandler got jeered. I mean, it uh, fans are starting to. I was wondering. To let him have it. I wasn't well, able I to make hear it to the a game. lot of. When were the jeers? Well, it was I mean, initial... I clearly when he hit the jump shot, it was the. It was like he was a like a, 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 a walk on right. coming out and hit the jump shot. No, it was early on when he got the ball and he just didn't look to score, and people right. were like, "Shoot, you know." Right. And and then like he he dribbled in and threw the ball out to a Suns player, and you know people were just anxious yeah, that was, about that was the worst moment. His inactivity. He he doesn't dribble with purpose. He has no lift. Right. His, his jump shot is flat. I think we can. I'll just give you my opinion. I, I think right now, I think this is a front office decision, and I think they're doing Chandler a disservice. I think they're doing the fans a disservice. I think they're doing the starters a disservice because they're not putting him in the best position to succeed. He 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 is not a fit with that starting group with the way he's playing. I understand the idea that you have to give him some run, but I think those twenty minutes can come off the bench. Do you have to give him some run though? Yeah, that's my question. I well, don't think you have to give many. He's not Joel Embiid, where his knees swollen up and there's like you know particles or something. Like he he just ha- has not recovered uh, uh, to the point where he can be himself. But giving him some run, I think, actually helps the process. I just think you're hurting well, the I, rest I, of the team in the way I'm that you so, give him the run. Well, to me, you're hurting. He can't play basketball, NBA basketball right now. He can't move. He can't. So what he does is he hangs out on the perimeter, and he doesn't get a rebound. He's afraid to shoot. He literally, to me, it's like you're playing four on five when he's on the court because he's hanging out, and occasionally he'll throw it to him, and he'll immediately throw it back. That's it. Like he does. So I don't think he's an effective – anytime you put him on the court, he is dragging down the enterprise, whether it's with starters or with bench players. So the only justification for playing him, to me, is if there's some hope that in the next 20 games he becomes something other than that, right? That that, mm-hmm. that run will get you a more effective or actually an effective Chandler Parsons. Maybe they still have that hope. I have lost <laughs> I, I have lost that hope. Not forever, but I've lost that hope certainly for this year. And given that, why put him out there at all? Unless I mean that can, must they must still have some hope that somehow over the next twenty games 
But when he can't move, how do they have that hope? Or, or, or is it just justifying trying, just trying over and over again to justify the uh, the um, the investment? Now, I agree with you. I mean, playing time in the NBA doesn't always have to be earned based on your performance. There's a rationale for giving players time that their performance does not indicate they should have if it is a path to get somewhere that's why a lot of us want young players to play more because we think give them more reps they'll get better and that will help you even though they're not worthy of it now that that'll help you get to the point where they are and the same rationale is for veteran players coming off injuries they need the minutes you know mike conley coming off the back injury he wasn't he he, he it took him a couple of weeks to really get back up to speed sure. you gotta you gotta go through it to get there right but when you're not seeing, and that's been the rationale for Chandler Parsons all season, but when you're seeing no progression whatsoever, no improvement after th- more than 30 games, at what point do you just have to say, if it's not getting better, the, the whole just the, the rationale of it's a path to somewhere just disappears at some point this season? Well, you know, I think why I'm advocating moving him to the bench is because it's it was very evident last night, and it's been evident for some time now, that this has become mental as much as it is physical with Chandler Parsons. And it's not only a mental block for him, but now it's for the starters. Mark won't pass him the ball. Yeah, I noticed that last <laughs> night. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, they, so why not relieve the pressure on everybody? Well, and, and like, you know, again, he's putting in the rehab. He's doing all his work. He, he needs to feel comfortable playing basketball again, and he does not alongside the, the stars of this team. And, 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 and so – I think it's a half measure, but I think there's a there's a there's a rationale for doing what you're pr- pr- proposing yeah. to me is that a you're not pulling the plug on the idea that maybe it'll he'll come around with playing times. So you're not sure. pulling the plug on that, but it does allow you to settle on a starting lineup and get a rhythm with a starting lineup that you're going to use when you decide you're not going to play Chandler Parsons anymore. At least you get to that point of like, what's the starting lineup this team's going to use in the playoffs? If it's not going to include Chandler Parsons, let's figure it out now. Yeah, because I've talked to a lot of NBA coaches who say. Your starters run your stuff. They're out there to execute. And when you put the bench in, you let them play. And it's not that simple, but, you know, you get my point. How are you running your stuff when Mark won't pass Chandler the ball? Yeah, but, but is Mark – is it I, – I, I, I guess moving the bench would, would at least help – tease out whether it's mental or physical. Mm-hmm. I suspect it's 100% physical or at least 95% physical. He can't jump, he can't move, he can't whatever and so that's why you know that that's why he's turned into an ineffective ball player. At least moving to the bench would would remove the question as to whether it's the starter. I suspect Mark doesn't play him the pass him the ball. Because he knows he can't shoot the ball or do anything with the ball, so yeah. why would he pass him the ball? Mark isn't, you know, isn't doing it out of spite. He's an incredibly smart player who wants to win. He just understands his level of ineffectiveness right now. So, if if the half measures the movement events and then figure out, to me, the fundamental question is this, and I think they know this. They must have a guess as to whether he thinks he's going to get better. Like they have doctors and therapists and everything else. I really don't understand, unless they still harbor some hope that he's getting better. I don't understand why he's out there. Because there's nothing, in the end, there's nothing particularly, you mentioned he's doing a disservice. It's become ugly with the fans. It's become, the players aren't passing him the ball. It's become, so if that's how it's going to, it's not good for Chandler, 
Why not simply pull the plug and say, come back next year? Or, you know what? If in practice in the next two, week, two weeks you start draining jumpers, then we'll bring, start bringing you off the bench and see if it actually translates. And yeah. it's a drag on trying to win games when you're in the middle of this heavy playoff race. I thought it was, it was funny to me, John Schumann for NBA.com, who's a writer I like, but he does power rankings every um, week. And on the Grizzlies, and his note on the Grizzlies this week, he, he, you know, he dropped them a couple of spots, but he noted the, how good they've been in fourth quarters. What, what's the commonality in Grizzlies' fourth quarters? That's the plays. only quarter Chandler Parsons doesn't play in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, one one of the reasons why I harp on the psych, psychological part of it is because early in that game against the Suns, Chandler was just dribbling around with no purpose, and the and the, he, the crowd was letting him have it. And Vince jumped up, Vince Carter jumped up and said, "Forget what they're saying, just play." And then when he finally made that three, and as you said, Jeff, when the crowd treated him like he was like Hamed Adati, like <laughs> mascot, right. you know, uh, Chandler. Uh, before he sat on the bench, bowed to the crowd, which, you know, that's unbecoming. Like, forget what, whatever he does off the court. I right. mean, like, but you can tell it's clearly getting to him. The pressure needs to be taken off. See, here's what I think, and, and I hope you guys follow me. Maybe, I, may not, I may not articulate maybe, this, but maybe, but, maybe but that's me, why it's maybe, getting worse instead of right. just not getting better. But I just think from the Grizzly standpoint, you can't have it both ways. You cannot say 11 months into his rehab after surgery, because March 25th, my birthday will be a year <laughs> since he had the surgery. You cannot say have patience for the process and then trot him out there in a role where he's supposed to be relevant. What NBA team has a two guard and a, and a small forward. That's not dynamic scoring in basketball. That, that, that's, that's a great point. You yeah. have two wings that <laughs> are basically they're gonna, they're not going to have that no matter whether they're playing Parsons or not Parsons. Well, I mean, James Ennis is a dynamic player that starts scoring the basketball. Vince Carter isn't dynamic scoring the basketball. He can score the basketball. Well, I guess you're Troy, Troy Daniels, Daniels sort of out there. Right. Right. A little bit. Yeah. That brings up the question. Let's say that they do what you want and they move Parsons to the bench mm-hmm. or, or at some point they move him out of the rotation. Either way, you got a new starting lineup. Is it clear to you what the new starting lineup would be without Chandler Parsons? No, you know why? Because there are two things that work here. Like, you know, Fizz kind of like pregame uh, Suns said, hey, look, Ennis hasn't been playing well. Well, Ennis has been the one who screwed around the most in all of this because right. of force feeding Chandler Parsons. When he started at the beginning of the season and before okay. he got hurt, he, he was effective. Uh, then there was a game at Philly when – Parsons was not playing, and then Ennis got hurt. Conventional wisdom said Troy Williams would start at the three. They they put Troy Williams on the lineup card, but then when the, the uh, starters were announced, it was Troy Daniels. The rest is history. That was Fizz's way of giving Daniels rotation minutes, and then he's been on fire ever since. So you could go either way, and I know you've talked about this a lot, Chris. It could be situational. Sometimes you start uh, Ennis. Sometimes you start. That's Dave. always my proposal. I don't. Yeah. I don't expect them to ever do that. Yeah. At this point, I, I've written about this this week, but I'll sort of reiterate here. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems like you know, like the um, the obvious thing would be just to move James Ennis up into that role because that's he's basically been that when Parsons hasn't played throughout the season. He started twenty something games. Right. My problem with that is I think that puts. I think you need a third offense offensive player on the floor because Tony Allen is there primarily for defense. He'll have good games here and there, but he's not a guy you're comfortable having the ball. Jamichael Green, and that's a whole other subject we could get into. He's sort of been fading, but he, he he's a defender role player. He's not a high usage guy. And so if you put a third low usage, I mean, James Dennis has shot well from three, but you can't really do stuff with the ball. So you put him out there, it's all Mike Conley, Marcus all. They don't have sort of that third thing, third player who's going to give you some kind of offense. 
I feel like they have to have a third offensive player, and I think there's three ways you do that. Either you can start Zach Randolph all over again. Mm-hmm. You could try to play Troy Daniels and play small and get that shooting on the floor. I come around to maybe they should start Vince Carter because Vince Carter gives you the poor man's version of what Chandler Parsons is supposed to be in that he is a three-point shooter. He can handle the ball a little bit and take some of that ball handling and pressure off Mike Conley. <laughs> high and, IQ. High IQ, yeah. and he gives you at least a little bit of size. And so, you know, the idea of Parsons is he can hit threes and he can handle the ball and be a secondary ball handler. And God knows Vince Carter in that role is not ideal by any stretch, but at least he can do that a little bit. And then you play Zach and Troy off the bench and give you that spark. I sort of feel like that's what I might do. Yeah, well, that that sounds great to me. I mean, because of all the things you spelled out about Vince, let's stop talking about the fact that he's 40 years old. He's been having a really good year. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they they have. Obviously, he's the guy you're going to trust in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. There's not been that much limitation to Vince Carter's game. I mean, he's got a nice elbow, too. I don't know, but do you guys disagree? Would you do something 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 different? No, I I I would. I, I, as I said, I would send, I would I would put Chandler Parsons in a suit, and I would start figure out who you're going to start. And I think Vince is probably a better solution than James Ennis. I think they will. I ultimately, honestly, think they will put Chandler Parsons in a suit. That is my guess. Between now and the end of the year, I think it won't be. They, the, the toughest part of the schedule right now isn't coming up. But in a while, they got San Antonio and they. I don't think they're going to go through that stretch playing Chandler Parsons 20 minutes with the starters. I, I don't believe that. And so we'll get a sneak preview this weekend. I bet Parsons not going to play both halves of a back-to-back, he, right? He clearly no. going to play both halves of a back-to-back. No. He yeah, probably so he won't may play have a sneak preview. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think they, I think they will move James Ennis into the starting lineup because it's just like it, it's that's, sort of natural. It's what they – whatever. But I think that's what they likely will do. But I think Vince is – and I don't, I don't hate the Troy Daniels, like to get some firepower out there to help, to help. You obviously can't do that in certain situations, depending on the matchups. But I don't hate that Tony at the three, Troy. Dan- yeah, it's a, it's a clearly different look. But I don't hate that either. I think you saw last night with Troy. There's a little bit of a feast or famine element with Troy, yes. where when the shots are falling, it's great. Right. When the sh- shots aren't falling, he's not really doing a lot for you. And so I, I, I just don't know if you can trust that night after night in a starting lineup. Yeah, because you know his limitations are very glaring. I mean, he he's not a great ball handler. He doesn't defend very well. So you're right. If he's not knocking down threes, you know he's not doing a whole lot. So yeah, I mean that's that's a fair point. Uh, they they got a lot to figure out. I mean, and, and the one thing Fizz did say is he's going to take this week and possibly next week to do that. But time is running out. I mean, you have to get something settled, and you can't do it in the last five games of the regular season. I mean, you got to give them maybe a dozen. I thought the front court minutes were interesting last night. Obviously, the very end of the game, there was a few minutes of quote unquote garbage time. Um, but I mean, Zach got Mark played the most as he always does. Zach got significantly more minutes than than Brandon Wright or J- Michael Green, which was very warranted the way he's been playing lately. But Brandon Wright got as many minutes off the bench as Jermichael Green got in the starting lineup, and I wonder where that's headed. Well, Brandon Wright looks good, and, I, and, and maybe he's an example of what you guys are uh, promoting in terms of shutting. Chandler down because they didn't dilly dally with Brandon Wright. They just like said, okay, we're going to get you ready. And I mean, he's come back fantastic. I mean, he's, he's been, he was, what you envisioned. He, he earned those minutes over Jermichael uh, Green last but night. This yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. why I wonder oh. where it's headed. Yeah. yeah. He, he, um, he's been everything you envisioned when they signed him. And, and, and in part because they, they just shut him down. They didn't let him, they didn't like, he didn't come back early. He didn't like try to play through it. Right. You know, he was ready. And like he told me once, he said he was ready for about a month before he actually came back. But he he took that month 
so that he wouldn't have minutes restrictions, so that he when he came back, he could just play. And so maybe there's something to that. He actually looked good too with Zebo, which is a uh, you have always. I mean, you made the I, argument I, I've that you like because the, oh, he set up Zebo's dunk. Yeah, he set up Zebo's dunk, and <laughs> yeah. vice versa. Zebo set him up for a dunk. I mean, they yeah. were actually playing off each no, other. I've wondered about that because neither one of them was really like a spot up shooter, or they right. both sort of are better close to the basket. So I've wondered about how well they would function together. But maybe that that's a very but when good you sign. get in the paint, both of them going to draw the other guy's man, and so they're willing passes. It does look good, you know. But you know, another th- development over the last couple of games is, is the clear hierarchy. I mean, we're used to seeing Mike, Mark, and Zach help his team. But, boy, I mean, it's ratcheted up. They're getting the shots. Yeah, It's like it's almost like make sure they get the ball unless you're just wide open. <laughs> and I think Tony, Tony Douglas played like 22 minutes last night. I think the minutes he's getting, I think he's been fine on his own, but it's really about freeing up Mike Conley. Absolutely. Yeah. And Mike's been tremendous. He had a... This is going to be his highest scoring month ever, and last month was his highest scoring month. Before this month, Mike has obviously been has been great, and yes, it's obviously about playing with him off the ball. Yeah, and and that goes back to Chandler. Chandler was supposed to guy be the guy who right. freed up Mike, and so now people can complain about Tony Douglas whether he's good enough or not, but he's good enough for for that purpose. Yeah, and, and Fizdale clearly is comfortable with that. Well, he he's big enough and strong enough that you can get away with that defensively. Whereas if they had, like Norris Cole just signed with somebody, mm-hmm. if they'd signed Norris Cole, who Fizdale had in Miami. He's just too small. You can't yeah. play him and Conley together. And so the real benefit, I think, beyond Tony Douglas, what he's done himself, is that you can play him and Conley together, and that lets Conley get get those too shots. Smart, right. The sad, the sad part, and, and you all have commented on this and written this before, is it's wonderful to see Mark, Mike, and Zebo playing so magnificently. Uh, and Chris has made the argument that this may be the best Mike, Mark, Zebo threesome that has ever been like you go look through the years have the three together obviously zach has been peak zach has been better than this but as a combination right have they ever been better turns yeah have they ever been better and and now it's and have they ever been better than they are right now and the sad part is is that you just and i don't the, the organization has tried like they've tried to get him the help they just haven't successfully gotten them to help. And so here we go into another postseason, and it's you can just see how it's going to end. You don't have enough firepower. It's Mark and Zebo and Conley, and they, they're gallant, and who knows, they might take you around, yeah. but they just don't have enough help. I think, too, this is where we have to give Fizdale a little appreciation because, bless him, he tried. He tried the player development, you know. He tried all that, and then, and this is not a first year head coach who's just happy to be here. Right. This is not a wash season for him. He wants to win, and he's trying to make his mark. And so he's gotten to a point where he said, "I need a veteran backup point guard." Right. He came out of the All Star break and told the veterans, "You guys got to carry us." You right. know, like, and, and that just brings me to this, Chris. Like, as we talk about seating, and that's what the next twenty one games will be about. Like, like Fizz says, playoff games. Where do we see this team landing? I wrote this week, and I, I you know, I, I certainly they could be as high as four. That is totally possible. I think Mathematically, yeah, I think possible. they're like they're like a, <laughs> maybe only like a game and a half, yeah, two yeah. games back at Utah. Totally possible for them to be four. Yeah. I think if you game out the roster, if you take the rosters of those four teams and apply them to the remaining schedules, if I'm being totally objective about it, I think Grizzlies are most likely to be seventh. Yeah. I hope that's not the case, but no, the best know. bet is seventh. Given yeah, the rosters, he, because the, the Thunder the have the easiest schedule the rest of the way, and they just got the boost with Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott. Yeah, and um, Houston got more firepower with Lou Williams and um, 
Uh, we're talking about Paul back. Chris Paul back, but Blake Griffin is playing off the charts right. as well. So, yeah, I mean. I think having the tiebreaker over Utah. You're like a game and a half back of them. If you can, you know, that's your, you know, maybe you, you if you get tight with them. If, if OKC passes you, you get tight with Utah. That does give you an opportunity maybe to push them down to seven, maybe. Right. I was going to say, in that scenario, best case is six for the Grizzlies. Right. Because you'd have the tiebreaker over Utah. Because Utah could fall to six. Yeah. What would yeah. you make, by the way, of, I thought it was funny last night, I don't know who it was who asked David Fisdale. It was towards the end of the press conference. They said, "Listen, Mark, Mike, and and uh, Mark, Mike, and Zach are carrying you again. It's just like old times." And he like threw the gauntlet down. He said, "No, it is not like old times." He said, "We're not running the old stuff. We're running my, my stuff, stuff, and we scored 130 points. <laughs> When's the last time they did that?" Like it was just, it was. He's never about him, right? But in that moment, he was like, "Don't try to tell me this is old stuff." It was really sort of striking the energy he had about it. Well, yeah, because it's not old. Right. I mean, the reality is he's done some things to ensure that. I mean, right. like putting Zach on the bench, giving Zach and and Mark and the bigs the, the green. Mark Mark came down the court and pulled up for right. three. He was five for five and threes <laughs> last and, night. That and, is and not old. The right. offense has been uh, designed for Mike Conley to have space. Mike has never. We, we keep talking about it's the six thirty point game, and he only had five in his first night. Well, he was never asked to be this player, right? And I think one of the more underrated things about Mike Conley is he's increasingly become a a, a better shooter throughout his career. You just didn't notice it because he's always deferred. So um, it's definitely not the old stuff. <laughs> this is this is fizzball. One question I had, and this is sort of a tangent, it's not, it is not pertinent to the moment in terms of their playoff race, but I thought of it last night watching the game, and I have no answer for it, and maybe you know, you're know you around every day, maybe you have some some idea. Why, what do we make, if anything, of Deonta Davis being on the main roster while Jarrell Martin and Wade Baldwin are in Iowa? Like, Why wouldn't Deontay Davis be in Iowa, too? Because Deontay Davis has an NBA skill, and it needs to be honed and developed, whereas... Jarrell Martin doesn't have a position. Right. And Wade Baldwin clearly hasn't um, – I mean, as much as we get on Andrew Harrison, Wade Baldwin hasn't shown that he can play yet in this league. Right. So um, I think right now they just have guys on the roster who have the potential to help you, and those two guys don't. Right. I mean, that may sound harsh, but, I mean – it's basketball. The reason they get on Andrew Harrison is because they see Andrew Harrison. There's no, there's no, you can't right. get on Wade Baldwin. You can get on the if whatever you think what you think about the mid draft pick, and the same thing why you get on Jan the Parsons. I do want to clarify, by the way. Like, I think it's unfortunate that it's turned to jeering and that I don't. You know, I, he's obviously has the sideshow last night with uh, with Bella, whatever her name was, on the sidelines. And I confess, I had no idea who the hell. No, she no, was. I had no, no idea. No, no, this is not the group. <laughs> I mean, I just saw people she taking is. pictures with her, <laughs> right. and I'm like, who is she? But I don't like. I'm. I don't. Yeah, I, absolutely. He would want to be the the brilliantly effective player that he was in the middle of last year. Um, I do like. It's, you sort of look at knee surgeries. Um, and in healing and coming back from them. Um, now, with med- we sort of assume you can get your knee fixed and you'll be back. And yet there's no guarantee that you will be back. Derrick Rose is never going to be the Derrick Rose that he was right. because of multiple knee surgeries. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it will be, uh, you know. I'm- I, I agree with you in that regard, Jeff, because Chandler is not a bad guy. I mean, he's not punkish, you know. You know I mean, he, he's a good guy. Uh, I have no doubts that he works hard at his rehab. His body just won't allow him to be 
who they signed. And, and I have a hard time believing he passed a physical. Like, I, I mean, I, 11 months after the surgery. I, I, I mean, like, how could he have? Um, but to your point about the jeering, you know, Memphians are conditioned. This has been a hardworking, gritty team with players coming back from a broken back, a broken face, a right. broken foot. Zach had the knee thing. You know, um, um, our Darrell came back from Achilles. Like, their condition. Mark say, ruptured his abdomen or what? Tore his abdomen. Yeah, came Mark, back and Mark went, tore his abdomen. Right. came back. Right. 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 And so their condition. And it's like, dude, <laughs> you, you got to show us something. Right. And it's unfortunate because he just can't. And it's not his fault. He just can't. You know, I, I think that's where you feel sorry for him. I don't care about the other stuff like Chan Coon and I sort of and, enjoy, uh, I sort of enjoyed I sort of enjoyed last night's side show. I'll be honest with you, I thought that was highly entertaining. Yeah, those two girls were all so, over each other uh, too. Anyway, I missed a couple of uh, scenes that I hate that I've missed. You can, you can catch them up on Instagram <laughs> if you do. You got to do. They're all, they'll all be there, captured on Instagram. All right, all right. Well, let's end on this on this uh, prediction. Uh, so, where they'll finish? I think seven is most likely. Jeff, yeah, I think seven is most likely. I think we all agree. Uh, I, I think you just can't look at the the records of the opponents and assume it's just going to be a cakewalk. Um, well, and the other thing know, is, I mean, like as Chris has pointed out, they went on the road trip and they split, and that's a perfectly good split. But it's not a perfectly good split if you're trying to stay ahead of Oklahoma City and trying to catch Utah, especially and, in within the way in which the way they lost at Indiana. Like, see, this team still hasn't found a, a way to, to sustain success. You can't win two, lose two, win two, lose two, and expect to move up. And, right. and so this weekend, I think, is kind of a turning point. Now, I don't think you sweep Dallas-Houston, but they'll probably split. Right. And you, you look around. <laughs> OKC's okay, won four in a row. Westbrook is on this MVP push. And, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week, and we will be back at you next week. Thanks for listening. For the latest news and analysis, follow the Commercial Appeal on Twitter at Memphis News. This is the Commercial Appeal.